everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a return guest. Hasn't been on the show in a while, but we're thrilled to have him back. Guest, who are you? I'm Josh Spiegel. I am an ex-podcaster and a still current film critic and writer. Uh, Ex podcaster is such a weird thing to say, but it is technically true. <laughs> well, your all of your episodes are still out there, right? If people wanted to look up Masterpiece Cinema, they could still find your your series. Yeah, yeah. If- Over four hundred episodes of Masterpiece Cinema, from Cars Two to The Rise of Skywalker, two classic films that literally bookended the beginning and end of that, that was series. Your- it's all there. First and last, and actually, um, uh-huh. and I know I said this last time you were on, but I was on there a few times. You were. Uh, most notably for our fans, perhaps, I'm on the Great Muppet Caper episode. So if you want to hear yeah, me and Josh. A long time since we talked yeah. about that. Long time, uh-huh. yeah. It was, it was years before we started this podcast. Oh, but wow. if you want to hear me and Josh talk about the Great Muppet Caper for an hour and a half, uh, it's out there. Masterpiece and, Cinema. And for those who may not be familiar, Masterpiece Cinema was a podcast covering Disney-produced or Disney-owned uh, movies. So That is correct. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And today we are talking about a film Disney has never owned, The Muppets Take Manhattan. Ooh, yes. Specifically, minutes 39 and 40. In these minutes, Kermit finishes reading his postcard from Scooter and then moves on to postcards from Fozzie and Dr. Teeth. So we start here in the middle of Scooter's postcard. Uh, Attack of the Killer Fish in 3D is, is humming up on the screen. The audience is, is wrapped. We hear a male voice yell, the fish, they're coming from the game room. <laughs> and then we hear a woman yell, oh, no, the killer fish are attacking, which this is radio, right? Like, there's, Well, it has know, to be something. We're, we're not seeing this movie, so it has to be something that we can understand. Right. No, exactly. Which I love, though, that like. It's such a like on in a movie they would just see that happening, you know. Right, the, <laughs> like, you wouldn't say the killer fish are attacking as the killer fish are attacking you. Right, which just kind of <laughs> makes it funnier that to me that they do say it. Yeah, you know. Um, I, sometimes when I watch this, I, I the voice of the woman is that by any chance could that be Tress McNeil, the do prolific, you think so? prolific voice actor who played Babs Bunny on Animaniacs and Dot on Anim- on I mean Babs Bunny that on would Tiny Toons. Very Tunes. early in her career, if it was her, it would have been. But pre Simpsons, yeah, so. this is the same year that she was on the Weird Al uh, song "Ricky," playing like doing the voice of Lucille Ball. <laughs> so it would have been very oh, wow. early, but it's not impossible. Right, That's it's true. You know, is, is she out there? Does she have an online presence at all? I, she like, has a, a Twitter account, but it looks like she hasn't tweeted in years. So, I, yeah, I thought but, about trying to get in touch with her, but I don't know. Although it's, it's also possible that even if it is her, like it's one line. You it's know, true. it's but it's thirty-seven years ago. Well, like, then she screams, <laughs> and I don't know something about the just the the sound of that voice. So, I, I hear some Tress McNeil in there. Sure. Yeah. And I, huh. I, they're not credited. The actors in the movie are not credited in the credits of this real movie. So, right. Although it feels to me like it's more likely that it's puppeteer, like some of the puppeteers that they had working on the yeah. movie or something. Yeah, it you could know? have been just like somebody working in the Benson Productions office. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Tress McNeil, if you're listening, and and it was you, or if it wasn't, let us know. Yes. Yeah. Either also, way, we're, we're big fans. So. 
Absolutely. All right. What else? So then New Zealand starts throwing his fish at the screen and he says, go get them, guys. So here's my question. When Lou says, go get them, is he referring to the audience or does like, does he think that his fish are heroes who are going to stop the killer fish? Huh. I assume they were there to like join in the fight or something like, cause it's a 3d movie they're watching, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So it's the, the, the appeal of, Oh, it's the fish is attacking you. It's like, he's, his, it's like the, the Wicked Witch of the West with the monkeys, my pretties, attack, and something like that. That's how I read it. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. and and the the audience does love it. Like, as we see, like, Scooter's dodging fish, the audience is applauding. So, like, <laughs> they're not horrified that there's fish being thrown at them. They, oh, the, like, they, they presumably think it's part of the part of the I show. guess so. I mean, at first they just scream, but I guess they're just, they're just kind of in, like, they're really invested in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, I. It, you guys know who William Castle was. The, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. Well, go ahead, Ryan. Oh no, I, I didn't even think about putting that in my notes, but that's a really good, really good person to bring up. William Castle was a, a, a movie producer of like B movies and cheap horror movies who was known for doing these stunts, like uh, the movie The Tingler, where he wired the seats in the audience so yep. people would get zapped every once in a while. Right. So I think that we're meant to think here that the audience assumes this is that kind of stuff. It's part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That, that they're at the yeah. plaza. They're seeing Attack of the Killer Fish in 3D <laughs> and added value. And like what also I love that Lou ha- apparently has dozens of fish. Like, yeah. Be prepared. He's got a bucket of them. Yeah. I, I suppose. I mean, I guess New Zealand doesn't do anything halfway. Although they're not really boomeranging, he's throwing them away, and they're not coming back to him. Well, they're they, just no. landing on the audience. But they're coming back to the. He's in the audience, and they're flying he's, back towards the they're, audience. They're coming back in his general direction, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not in front. He didn't like walk up in front of the screen and start throwing fish. No, at that's, the true. You know, that's true. That's yeah, true. He's part of the crowd. He was very uh, careful about where he took his position in the theater. Well, it's his 97. Do you think he's seen it 97 times at this theater? So he like knows where to go. Uh, maybe not at this theater, but who knows? Oh, man. This also reminds me of like these, <clears throat> the the sort of fan led interactive screenings of movies like the Rocky Horror Picture Show or The Room, where people are throwing rice or toast or spoons at the screen at certain <laughs> times. So really that's what, that's what Lou's doing. He's just creating an interactive movie experience. They, they actually, uh, Heather Henson, uh, has hosted some screenings of the Muppet movie that are similar to that, where she has people blowing bubbles and like, like throwing toy ice cream cones at the screen and stuff like that. So, that's oh a, really? A so now, yeah. Now I'm just thinking it's such a shame they didn't incorporate Lou Zealand and the fish in. I have to bring it back to Disney because I have to. It's the Muppet Vision 3D show. They should have had that. Since they do the 3D experience there, I don't. I don't recall Lou Zealand being well, part of that movie. We actually talked about that on our last episode. Jerry Nelson yeah. didn't work on that at all. Oh, so that would explain I, it. Yeah, so I don't know if he just wasn't available, and, and like, and or, you know, if they thought about Lou at some point, but then mm-hmm. when it became clear, Jerry couldn't do it or yeah, something. And, and did we conclude that like Lou Zealand, the puppet, is not even visible in in Muppet Vision 3D? I don't. Yeah, think I'm he not is. sure. Yeah, wow, yeah, that's, I don't think yeah, he that's is, wild. So. He, sh- he should be yeah, in there they, somewhere. They, they they could have had him throwing fish without Jerry Nelson. There Absolutely, yeah, 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 right. Huh. But anyway, so that then, like I said, the crowd is applauding. That's the end of of Scooter's postcard. Do either of you have anything else to say about about that before we move on? No, that's all I got. 
Okay, then on to Maine, where Fozzie is writing uh, to Kermit. He says that his job didn't turn out too well. So Fozzie had a job. Well, I, I want to go back a step, and his postcard opens, Dear Kermit, waka, 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 but seriously, <laughs> which is just such a perfect... That's how Fozzie would write this postcard. Yeah, that's good. Um, which And also, Kermit's, read... it's Kermit's deadpan delivery of it, I think, is what sells it, too. Dear Kermit, right. waka, 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 but seriously. Right, because, because remind me, Kermit's voice fades out and Fozzie's fades up during but seriously, yes. right? So we, we don't hear Fozzie say waka, waka, waka at No, all. no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Um, yeah. So, but so he had a job, and we, don't, we never hear what it was. Like, everyone else's postcards are about their jobs. Fozzie failed so spectacularly that he doesn't even mention his job. Yeah, I also wonder if he just didn't find a job and he just doesn't want to admit that. Uh, yeah, that's very likely. I don't know. Do you think he was a patrol bear? Oh. <laughs> that would have been fun to I say. I feel like it's it's got to be what Ryan is saying, though, because if it's, there's so much exploration of what the Muppets are doing in these jobs here that it's like, why wouldn't we see Fozzie outside of inadvertently cuddling the female bear, which is so incredibly... I don't know why I felt weird. <laughs> to hear the voice of a of a woman who's around the same like who sounds like she's meant to be the same age as Fozzie, and it's like I know there's Ma Bear on the show. I know that like there are things. It's like it felt weird. <laughs> sure, maybe, sure. Maybe because he's such a childlike character that his his reaction of like immediately being very disturbed and scared, <laughs> just it's so strange. I don't know why yeah. it felt strange. It is strange. <laughs> Sure, but so so we, we'll just skip to that. Uh, what happens? Sorry, when, I know, I no, no, no. That's it's fine. It's you know we're we're laid back around here. Um, but so what Fozzie's doing is he's in Maine trying to hibernate out here in the woods where a bear should be, is what he says. Um, and while the other bears are all sleeping, Fozzie sits there just kind of like drumming his fingers. He can't sleep, and then a female bear named Beth sits up and says, "Hello." And Fozzie's only response to this is, I didn't know this cave was co-ed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they should have told him when he signed up for hibernating yes. in this cave. Yeah. Wait, so, wait, you, th- you think that this is like, a- he had to sign a contract? You think that... Uh, <laughs> to- At least a verbal contract, even if it's not written down. There has to be some clarification of what to expect. I guess right. I was thinking right. of it like being a, a motel where you check in. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to the cave. There's your corner. I guess so, yeah. And then, uh, but so then Beth, they, they exchange names. Beth says, I can't sleep either. Maybe if we snuggle. And then, like Josh mentioned, she snuggles up to Fozzie, who is, he is not into it. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, he well, says, she's she's being very assertive here. She doesn't she, wait for him to say, oh, yeah, okay, sure, let's snuggle. Right, right. Well, and, it, it feels like from the very first, like from the introduction, there's she's instantly attracted to him in ways that he's clearly incapable of responding to or interested in responding to. So it, that assertiveness is just balanced by him being so like confused and passive and kind of off put. <laughs> right. Well, and I I think like Beth is very she's a more realistic looking bear as are most of the bears in this cave that we see mm. and Fozzie obviously is very stylized you know he he does not look anything like a real bear he's well, his fur is orange his fur is orange yeah so like i wonder if that has something to do with it like he just doesn't even know how to deal with this like re- realistic bear making a pass <laughs> at him yeah i guess i 
always wonder if it's more like he was unprepared for for what's happening or if it's because it's a female bear and it's like he's it doesn't have a lot of experience with women and he's like oh what like oh how, what, how do i handle the situation i don't know yeah and then I mean, he's, he's the only major muppet who's just so anti like not anti-romance but you know kermit has miss piggy gonzo has camilla there's just so many of the other natural relationships whereas his he's his connection hermit that's his his closest kind of companion he has no right. counterpart and yeah and, and his reaction like his his instinct here is to look at the camera and say kermit to say kermit's name out loud. <laughs> right. he says kermit like he wants to be rescued like kermit which, yeah which which goes back to what you mentioned ryan that like can't he just leave like does he does he have to stay in this cave like, maybe he thinks he should just stay there all winter until he can fall asleep i don't know yeah which which that brings me up to another thing um it's still green outside we see the main countryside Mm -hmm. the forest it's completely green it's not winter in new york you know there's there's no sign of snow in new york it was it was september when they all split up earlier in the movie you know all right of of indeterminate length uh, according to the calendar and so it's like why is why are the bears hibernating yeah, what time? What time of year? What month would bears normally hibernate? Yeah, I, I don't in, in North think America. It's, it's, I don't. I know. don't think any time that the entire forest is green would bears be hibernating. Right. Yeah, you know? I guess yeah. not. Ooh. So this doesn't hold up to scrutiny. So take <laughs> that, Frank Oz. Yeah, uh, um, I also <laughs> want to mention because if if we don't, I know people will say this in the comments that there is. A precedent for Fozzie being nervous in a romantic situation, which is the Raquel Welch episode of The Muppet Show, where it's obvious that Fozzie is attracted to Raquel Welch, but then when she starts paying attention to him, he he freaks out and kind of panics and doesn't know what to do about it. Right? Yeah. Which um, the be Raquel fair, Welch- that's that's because it's Raquel Welch, but yes, <laughs> right. Yes. right. <laughs> um, and the the Raquel Welch episode of The Muppet Show. Now on Disney Plus when this is released. Oh, by the time this goes up, yeah. How about that? So go go watch that right now. Although we've yeah, we've been Disney speculating Plus. with some of our Muppet fan friends, like, will everything from every episode make it like that that That's costume the question, right? That yeah, has to be the costume that Raquel Welch wears when she dances with that spider. I don't know. Are the Disney Plus people gonna gonna let the kids uh be corrupted by that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. The kids, can, the kids can watch Splash on Disney Plus. Yes. They should be able to handle Raquel Welch. The question, I feel like the question is the music, right? Like if all those songs are going to be on the show. But I'm, yeah, we'll I'm, find I'm, out. I have to. Yeah, I know. Can't wait. By for the it. by the time that this comes out, our listeners will know. So it's kind of like our listeners know before we do. Yes, yeah. they're in the future but, for us. Yeah, <laughs> we, have, we have no idea. We don't know anything. It's it's still exciting. Um, getting back to the scene. Um, Fozzie is before Beth wakes him up. Fozzie is sitting there and he says, How do they do it? He says he's been trying to sleep for days. And then he calls out, Anybody got some warm milk? Yeah. <laughs> Which I love the idea that that's what Fozzie needs to go to sleep, right? His his ma brings him warm milk or whatever. I guess so. Um, and, and but also, do you got do you that feels like a young Frankenstein reference to me? Yes. I don't know if it is. Uh, that's what I was going to say. It feels that's all I think about when I hear a character asking or talking about warm milk is yeah, well, Rob Looker. Well, especially at bedtime. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you very much. 
It's especially at bedtime, right? Like that's right, a, yeah. that's when she offers it to him. I don't remember. And of that. course, yeah. And of course, you have Cloris Leachman and Mel Brooks in the original Muppet movies, so they're no strangers to that kind of right style oh, yeah. comedy. So. And yeah, so and Madeline Kahn. Cloris Leachman yes, of offers Gene Wilder warm milk in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, she offers him. She yes. offers him brandy, warm milk, Ovaltine. Ovaltine. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I, she says it all like like super drawn out. It's like brandy, warm milk, <laughs> Ovaltine. I don't know. She does it better than me. Well, and and the reason, uh, first of all, Ryan, you need to watch Young Frankenstein because it's one of the. It's been too long. Ever. Yeah, I, I mean, I probably it's haven't seen it. Been that way too long. Over a decade, yeah. The, the reason why that's so funny is because you have Gene Wilder constantly saying no, nothing, thank you, nothing, and she keeps pushing. That's <laughs> <what> <laughs> funny. Anyway, yeah. I uh, I also think of it now as a Young Frankenstein reference. Now that you bring it up, I hadn't quite thought about it when I was watching the two minutes, but. Now sure. it's like it's the only place my mind goes is that. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm skeptical as to whether warm milk would help a person get to sleep, but if it's a, a reference, that that's a lot better. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. So anyway, we've kind of talked about the whole scene already, but before we move on, I do want to talk about Beth a little bit more. She's played by Bruce Edward Hall, who also plays Masterson the Rat. We talked about him a little bit when Masterson was introduced. Um. A lot of female Muppets are played by men. Like, obviously, that's not unusual. You know, Miss Piggy, Janice, Baby Natasha. Like, you, mm. you name it. There's there's many. Yeah. But, like, Beth sounds so genuinely feminine to me in a way that none of those other characters do. Yeah. I, I was so Wait, surprised. so you're saying the, the voice? I, I thought you were just saying that the character was performed on, no. like, by a man. Wow. Puppetry and voice by, by Bruce Edward yeah, Hall. There's yeah. no wow. other credit and no other indication that anyone else did the voice. But yeah, I was so surprised yeah. when I first noticed that yeah. in the credits. It really, like, he does a really good Lady Bear voice. Right. <laughs> well, and like, I, I think part of it might be that unlike Frank Oz or Richard Hunt or, you know, Kevin Clash or whoever, we don't really know Bruce Edward Hall's natural speaking voice. Right. Mm. You know, I mean, he, co- consciously or subconsciously. Right. 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 So I think that like maybe if we had a better idea what he sounded like, we might be able to pick out his his actual voice somewhat or something. Yeah, as we mentioned uh, previously, he really didn't work on very many things for the Muppets. Right. And this is the only real high profile one. Yeah. You know, but but I think he's great here. I think it's a really good performance. Like Beth has very little screen time, but she makes an impression. You know, she does. Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) So. Any, anything else about Fozzie or hibernation before we move on? Um, just one little thing is that you can hear in the background of the cave, there are these sound effects of like water dripping in the cave. It reminds me of Fraggle Rock. I don't know if how likely it is that they would have used the exact same dripping water in a cave sound effects for both projects, but it immediately made me think of it. Although if they had them in the, in the audio library yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah, you you just hear that a lot, like when when they're exploring the the caves and tunnels and stuff on Fraggle Rock, right? Very yeah. similar sound. Hmm. So then that brings us to our final letter to Kermit uh, from Doctor Teeth, which opens with such a perfect Doctor Teeth line: "Dear Kermit, how's the man?" <laughs> <laughs> which is just oh man, that's my like, like I it, watching this two minutes at a time made me want to start like addressing letter, like, op, you know, addressing people that way in letters, like s- start sending postcards just so I can say 
you know, dear Ryan, how's the man? I'm going to expect a postcard from you now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> when you least expect it. All right. Yeah. Um, so what, what are the Electric Mayhem doing? They are playing polka outside of Pittsburgh in a bingo hall. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if bingo is the main event here, but um, we do see that bingo is also being played in the same hall where they're performing polka, which I think is really funny. Yeah, well, it seems to be a whole festival. Like there's, uh, there's people wearing these costumes and I noticed in the background of one shot, there's, it looks like a carnival game called uh, Toss Sausage. There's like a bullseye and then <laughs> a sign on the top that says Toss Sausage. So I guess people are yeah. throwing sausages trying to hit that target. Which, well, and, and like we talked about, if, if, it's not, if it's not yet winter, then it makes sense that Oktoberfest would be happening in Pittsburgh. Oh. Yeah, you know, yeah, like 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 that lines up with with the earlier part of the movie. Yeah, I did do um, about ten seconds of Wikipedia research to confirm that Pittsburgh uh, does have uh, a fairly sizable German community. I mean, it's called Pittsburgh. Yes, so I would I would imagine it does. Yes. <laughs> um, but so who else do we see here? Uh, you mentioned Heather Henson doing screenings of the Muppet movie. Right? Heather Henson in this scene, she's. She's a young girl passing out drinks in a in like wearing lederhosen. We see her on screen. Actually, it didn't occur to me to look up how old she would have been at this time. I'm sure she would have, she would have been like twelve or thirteen. Not yet. Yeah, definitely not old enough to be drinking if those are alcoholic beverages that she's serving. Right, but yeah, she was born in 1970. Okay, so she would have been probably thirteen or fourteen when this was shot. Yeah, yeah. She's all. She's also in um, Frank Oz's next movie, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh yeah. Oh. As a girl with a very strange dental apparatus on her face, who, oh. warns, who warns Rick Moranis to to get out of Steve Martin's office. Right, I remember that scene. <laughs> so, and she, we we should maybe mention she's the youngest of Jim and Jane Henson's five children. Frank should have just kept putting her in his movies, like John Ratzenberger in the Pixar movies. <laughs> she should have been in uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, every single one. Yeah, just up through. She could, during um in and of itself, she should just walk on stage during the Peter show. <laughs> and, and Derek Delgadio would make her disappear or saw her in half or something. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but so there's there's really not much to say about this scene. Really, we just we see the Electric Mayhem playing polka. Um, I I do enjoy the way Doctor Teeth describes this, this event, which is the band's wailing, the music's cooking, and the crowd here is also wailing and cooking. <laughs> <laughs> which is like i mean it's what like, like the joke is that obviously none of that is true but even if it was even if the the crowd really was wailing and cooking it's a great way to describe it like you know even yeah. if you're in the postcard and don't see it it's it's still a very memorable way to describe it yeah event. really i guess all of these postcards to kermit are sort of everyone trying to cover for how unhappy they are by making it seem better than it really is. So yeah, right. this is, this is not the ideal gig for the electric mayhem, but they, I guess they don't want Kermit to know that. Right. The funny thing is when I was watching this, cause I, you guys are of course experiencing this movie two minutes at a time. And I'm sure even before this, you've watched this a number of times recently. I hadn't seen this in a while and I'd for, I I've watched the Disney new Disney Muppet movies. So I was thinking a lot during this bit about Fozzie in, I think, is it Reno with yeah. the Muppets? 
Yeah. I was thinking about that bit and how just you know, just generally speaking, I am not as big a fan of this movie as I am the earlier ones. And I feel like part of it is it's just it's wrong to see them all separated so much. And at least in the the new ones, you get them, you're getting them back together. You're getting the band, but it's it's interesting to just see. I wonder if when they created the Muppets and all that stuff, if there was some conscious or unconscious connection to this kind of a scene where you're yeah. seeing these characters separated and in these venues that are clearly wrong for them in every sure. possible way. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure there was. I'm sure that, yeah. that this movie was put... Well, and I mean, they draw on this movie quite a lot in both of those. Right. The two Muppet movies. Yes, right. All oh. the stuff with Kermit being swapped with Constantine. And yeah. Um, and yeah. I don't know how heretical it is for me to say I don't love this movie the way I love the Muppet movie. And and Anthony already knows I don't love the great Muppet caper as much as some people do. He experienced yeah, right. that in real time, I think. Spoiler, yeah. if you haven't heard that episode of my podcast, yeah. that's what you're in for. Um, but it's just, it was interesting. Because I, I, again, I, I remember so little about this movie. I watched it a ton as a kid. I love the Joan Rivers scene. That's like the one scene I remembered vividly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. And the Muppet Babies thing, which I that hasn't happened yet in the film, right? That Correct. We're still yeah, okay. we're we're a few few minutes away. Yeah, but it was. I was thinking about this as a whole as I was watching the two minutes specifically because I I haven't thought about this movie in a while since, as you noted, it's not on Disney, so I just I refuse to pretend it exists. So. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, we always a- ask our guests at the end, like what their history yeah. of the movie and where they rank it. So, thank you for answering preemptively. <laughs> well, and then, well, and the ranking thing, of course, I, uh, you know, I, I answered that question. I, I, it would have been almost two years ago to commemorate the 40th anniversary of the Muppet movie. I ranked oh, right. all the yeah, Muppet yeah. movies and slash film. And only after that being published did I realize I had created a hornet's nest for myself because people were very mad at my ranking of those movies. And I remember thinking to myself, it's like, I, I didn't put Muppets from Space as number one or something crazy <laughs> right, like right. that. No, people I are Muppet, very, people have a Muppet movie at the top. Yes, because it's the best Muppet movie. It's the first. It's the funniest. Yeah. It's well. I mean, that's generally, genuinely, that's one of my favorite films of all time. Um, and I mean, this one, I, I like this movie. I liked it a lot when I was a kid, but when I visit, when I watch it as an adult, I think the Muppet Maybe scene stands out so much for me as kind of like it's a little too sentimental. And I think that kind of speaks to the whole film. That there just feels like there's a little bit less of the acidic humor that I feel like is representative in the first two films and in my beloved Muppet Treasure Island film. I, I think I think the reason people got mad is because I put that second and I only encourage anybody out there to rewatch Muppet Treasure Island because it is hilarious. <laughs> it is an incredibly funny film. Uh, <laughs> I, it, my point is though, this one, the Joan Rivers bit is what Miss Piggy is working in the perfume shop and she and Joan Rivers are both kind of getting crazier and crazier and like putting makeup on each other she's putting makeup on piggy yeah right and i mean that scene is really funny and i'm trying to think other like dabney coleman has the cameo early in the film right right yeah he has he has a big he's pretty funny he's pretty good and gregory hines too is in this one yeah gregory hines is coming up correctly yeah we're gonna get to him in this movie spoiler for the he's really i i really enjoyed him but that's because i think he was very talented it's just like Stuff like that I like a lot, and the first like together again is a great song. But I don't know, some of it just it strikes me as a little too sappy, hmm. which is and, not really what I think of when I think of the puppets. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I get it. You mentioned the the Muppet Baby scene though, but did 
you said that was one of your favorite scenes when you were a kid? Well, when I was a kid, I think that just stood out because I was born. Well, this came out what in the summer of '84, I think. Yes, the summer of '84. Yeah. So, so I was born in September of '84. So even though you know all of these first three films had come out before I was born, this one I think I wa- I remember watching this one a lot when I was a kid, and it was you know I was growing up with watching Muppet Babies on TV, and so I think I just kind of connected the two, obviously. Right. But now when I watch it, it's just like, yeah, Muppet Babies is uh, that that to me, I just kind of think that's that's for little kids. That's that's <laughs> it's just not what I think. Like the Muppets to me, they're at their best when they're all ages. This one feels a little bit more kid centric on the whole. Hmm. The, the, the two minutes here don't really stand out as being overly sappy or something. But sure. Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe I need to revisit the entire film, but honestly, I'm sure I could find it. I'm trying to think if there is a streaming service that has the whole movie outside of You know, it's it's been on and off Amazon Prime and or IMDb TV. Mm. Um, it's, okay. not, it's not on either right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if it if it cycles back around again at some point. I'm sure sometime. You know, um, this one, the, the, the two that Sony owns, Muppets from Space and this, both. Although, of course... Oh, of the two, yeah, this is the one you want to rewatch. Yes. Well, yes. This. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to be clear, this is a this is a decent movie. Muppets from Space is a movie. Um. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it, it is eighty-seven minutes of content. I cannot argue with that. I think I mostly am delighted by that film because it's the first of two Muppet movies featuring Ray Liotta. Um, That's right. Yeah. You know, that just, he's, <laughs> and, I mean, we'll, we'll get there in a few years, but he's pretty good in it. Like he seems like he's having fun. Yeah. Yes. He seems, and that's always an important part. I think, you know, maybe part of the reason also why this one doesn't stand out as much to me. You know, you have Charles Durning and Austin Pendleton as your main human characters in the first film. You have Charles Groden and Diana Rigg in the second movie. And then the Disney films in the 90s, you know, you've got Michael Caine, you've got Tim Curry, mm-hmm. plenty of big names in the last decade's worth of films. But this one, again, not a. Not impugning the performances, but I think the biggest actor who's got like a regular role is what Louis Zorich as yeah, the guy who. Yeah. There's no. Oh, there's, there's Pete. There's Jenny, and then Ronnie Crawford right. at the at the end. So yeah, not it, it's not quite like the first two. And so and again, I think it's just separation thing is also kind of you know that, and then this one climaxes with Kermit and Piggy getting married, if I remember correctly. Right, it sure does. Yes. It sure does. Spoiler alert if people are experiencing this two minutes at a time. I hope it didn't ruin this nearly 40-year-old film for you. Can you imagine <laughs> anyone like actually doing that? I I'm sure many of your listeners are doing that because if they're not I mean who knows? I'm sure there's some yeah, there's I, other who doesn't somebody, know. Yeah. I hope there's maybe one person. I hope there's one person out there who's watching this with us for the first time, two minutes at a time. Let us yeah. know if that's you. And that person's name is Frank Oz. Uh, <laughs> Well, actually, no. actually, we had a we had a guest on last season, uh, my friend oh. Jordan, had, who had never seen The Great Muppet Caper, but he listens to the podcast. So okay. would not surprise me if he also hasn't seen this one now that I think about it. So, hmm. so hey, Jordan. <laughs> I apologize, Jordan, for spoiling the film for you. Oh, man. Um, well, well, it's just, I, again, I... Yeah, I, I like the movie. I just don't love it the way, or or really like it because I don't love Great Muppet Caper, but I really, really like that movie. Sure, yeah, yeah. not too heartless, right? So, uh, anything else you had to add, Ryan? Before we go, uh, so in in the scene, I like that all the 
except for Dr. Teeth, all the members of the band are playing different instruments than we normally see them play. Well, I guess an animal is playing a big bass drum, but um, Janice is playing a glockenspiel, Floyd is playing an accordion, and Zoot is playing a tuba. So it's just this, this funny thing in Muppet stuff where it, it seems like any Muppet can just pick up an instrument that they've never played before, and suddenly they can they can play it. You know, right. like yeah. yeah. Uh, we've never had any evidence that, that Zoot could play the tuba before, but, um, (laughs) and then I like that, that Dr. Teeth closes out. Yeah. We're in hip city here as we're seeing these, (laughs) these shots of like old people playing bingo. Uh, and then also in the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay, the scene was longer. Uh, it, it also establishes that they're, they're not in Pittsburgh. They're in Levittown, Pennsylvania, at the Levittown Lithuanian Firemen's Bazaar. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, they got a lot more specific. Uh, and then after they play the song, Floyd tells the audience, there's going to be a wiener schnitzel tasting in one hour next to the dumpling stand. And for your cosmic pleasure, we are now going to play you a down-home polka so you can dance your little balalaikas off. <laughs> That's pretty good. Funny, yeah. Whoa. It's pretty good. Well, so does that actually, now that you bring that up, does the draft mention Bunsen and Beaker at all? Yeah, I didn't know if we should get into that. Maybe, uh, maybe save that for next week, you think? Okay, yeah, we can save that. That's yeah, a good let's, tease let's, for the audience yeah. then. So, right. uh, okay. yeah, but it's, yeah, there's a little bit more after that that we can talk about next week. But I just, it's, it would have been fun to hear Floyd deliver that line, at least. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Apollo by the way, is like a, a triangular string instrument. Right. And they mention it in Born in the USSR. The Beatles mention it. I should yes. I say they yeah. like everyone knows who they are, but the Beatles mention it in Born in the USSR. Oh, yeah. Let me hear your follow like is ringing. Everybody right, should right, right. know who the Beatles are. Everybody doesn't know who the Beatles are, but I shouldn't just say like they say it. Like, you know, with, <laughs> everyone will know the antecedent is the Beatles, you know? Um, but anyways, that's when I think of, of Bella like us, that's, that's, that's all I think of is that song and a Gilmore girls episode named after that line in that song. <laughs> that's that's my experience with Bella like us. Yeah. All right. Um, so that brings us down to the end. We will be back next week with another episode. Uh, you can check us out on toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the place. You can email us at moving right along at toughpigs.com. Josh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, online these days uh the best place to find me online is on twitter at masterpiece now i'm curious you referenced that this is going to be up by the time the muppet show is streaming on disney plus do you guys know what specific day this is going up i'm curious because i may want to tease something i might want to mention the bracket if it's still going on it it is scheduled for march 2nd okay so in that case, this is going to be March 2nd. So I hope everybody listening has been paying attention to my Twitter because we just wrapped up the Muppet Human Performances bracket. That's the bracket that I'll be doing for oh. most of February. And so, yes. In but case that- anybody's wondering, why aren't you doing a Muppet-only bracket? That'll come later. Um, <laughs> so sure. so I hope everybody was, go- was was voting for that. I don't know who won because, I guess, like you guys mentioned, you're in the future. I'm in the past. I don't yeah. know who won, but well, hopefully when, it was Tim Curry. When you start on I'm that, sure, we will. Uh, I hope. <laughs> yeah, when you start on that, we we can uh, retweet some of those uh, matchups oh. so people 
make sure people can see him. Yeah, for sure. Much obliged. Um, and I, I should mention also you that listeners can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. I forgot to say that a moment ago, but it remains true. <laughs> our theme music is by Stacy Rosen. Our logo was designed by Morgan Davey. Thank you to both of them. And thank you to every single listener for giving us a positive review on whatever podcatcher you use. And thanks as well for telling all your friends to listen to Moving Right Along. We'll be back next week with another episode. Bye. Kermit. <laughs>